The term relentless, the first time I heard it, it was about 20 years ago. And I knew it was an important word because I remember Shauna Seneca, who used to run Bantero before we lost her, and Bev Parks, who used to run Norwood Community Services. And they wanted to hire some relentless social workers. And I remember in that instant thinking, wow, imagine people being there for you always. Imagine people just making sure always that you have what you need in the way that you need it. My name is Liz O'Neill and I work at BGC Biggs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Relentless Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Dubay, and I have somebody on this podcast today that is uh, so humble and is not going to want to hear what I'm going to say probably a lot throughout this podcast, but somebody that I've looked up to for years and years and years, mm-hmm. somebody who I appreciate so much and has had such an impact in the lives of, of countless people, uh, the executive director of Boys and Girls Clubs. Big brothers, big sisters, Liz O'Neill. Welcome to the Relentless Podcast, Liz. Kyle, thanks for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here today. It's awesome to see you. It's awesome to see you. Um, in my world that I live in, which is a nonprofit charity helping people world, um, you, you you probably know this, but you're not going to want to hear it, just knowing <laughs> you, is that you are a legend. And you have... Uh, not just in our community. So when I started at UCAN, uh, we did talk about this a little bit before we were recording, about the first time we met. Uh, Dave Farthing, who founded UCAN Youth Services out in Ottawa, and then I started with them in uh, very late uh, 20, 2002. So I would say January 2003. He said, you know, because he was out in Ottawa, and he said, okay, within my first year, he said, you have to meet with Liz O'Neill. And I, be, I had worked in the, the field of youth work and all that type of stuff, but I didn't really know people and I wasn't in the position I'm in now. And I said, well, who's Liz O'Neill? And he goes, oh, you need to know Liz O'Neill. <laughs> so this is a guy in Ottawa who was doing conflict resolution work, which is what UCAN was all about back in the day. Um, not really in the mentoring world, which we're going to get into mm-hmm. with you. He knew who you were. He, he knew the legend of Liz O'Neill. He knew the leadership of Liz O'Neill. He knew the expertise and the experience. And I would say the heart of Liz O'Neill. Mm. So he says, you got to meet this lady. I said, okay, well, connect me. And you were so generous to say, sure, I'll meet with this. I'm going to say kid, but I wasn't a kid. I was like 30. Um, you know, this, this guy who I have no idea who he is. I'll do this Dave guy who you barely even knew a favor. We went to Kelsey's in we St. Did. Albert. It was we it's did. now Earl's, right. but it was Kelsey's. Yeah. We had some lunch. I, I was blown away by all the things you talked about. And we started talking about fundraising. I remember this. <laughs> do you remember what we ate? Uh, no, I don't. Neither do I. I, I guarantee <laughs> I had I guarantee I had matzo fingers on. <laughs> so I'm gonna let you do a bunch of talking here in this podcast, but I want to tell the story. So you had said to me at that time, um, and, and I don't even remember all the fundraisers you were doing at the time, but you said, I don't really do a fundraiser unless we're going to net $50,000. That's right. And I was like, $50,000? I think UCAN Edmonton's budget at the time was like, my salary included $80,000. Like it was, it, that, that number was mm-hmm. just 
so far-fetched for me, and I wasn't even doing fundraising or fund development at the time. And to be very honest with you, Liz, it intimidated me. It really intimidated me. But now... I was going to say, but now you'd agree with me. I, I, I'm like 50. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's low, Liz. That's right. That's, That's right, low. yeah. Um, that conversation always stuck with me. And, you, and I've had the pleasure of sitting with you uh, quite a few times since. You've always been generous with your time where, where we'll do lunch here and there and, and we'll have a coffee here and there. I run into you at different things. And our, our uh, comedy nights, to be very honest with you, I don't think I would touch a, doing our comedy nights now unless we're going to net a quarter mil. Yeah, absolutely. That's where absolutely. we're at. So I'm telling this story so that people can maybe get a sense of my respect for you, my admiration for you, and the fact that I'm thrilled you're here. You inspired me 20 years ago when I had zero clue what I was doing. I mean, zero, negative <laughs> clue what I was doing. And I just thank you for that. So I want to just get that out of the way right off the hop. Oh, well, thank you. You know, it's it's interesting because you said it was 2003 that we met. Yeah. Um, and you think about that $50,000 in 2003 is kind of like a quarter of a million dollars now. Mm, that's a lot of money. Um, and, and I do remember Dave. And I do yeah. remember him asking if yeah. I, I, I would uh, connect with you. But it's interesting just to think about the fact that we both run charities. Yeah. And so we're always trying to get every possible dollar we can to the front line of our work. That's right. And so we learned in the 80s and 90s that it's expensive to do some of these things. Mm-hmm. And so in order to be, quite frankly, upfront with our donors, we needed to put some caps on, you know, where are we going to put our resources and yeah. how much money can we raise yeah. and make sure that the majority of that money is going to the front line. Yeah. Um, and so you were trying to do that and we were trying to do that and lots of good charities try to do sure. that. Um, it gets harder and harder, but I think it's one of the, the gifts about working in the charitable sector because we not only get to do good work and we not only get to fill our hearts and our souls about what we do. I mean, I know when I go to bed at night, um, I put my head on the pillow and I'm thankful for the things that I got done right. right. But I don't forget the things that have to be done tomorrow. And so we get to have this connection between, you know, the soul and the heart and then the head mm-hmm. in terms of the economics of the work that we mm-hmm. do. And so, you know, that's a real gift in, in terms of being able to do this work together. What I've learned, uh, uh, early days I was learning it, but really 2010 was, a, was a, I'll call it the TSN turning point for me as far as looking at our charity, You Can Use Services, where this is a business. And I, do, and, I, and I believe that a lot of people don't look at charity that way. They look at it where do as much as you can with the least amount possible. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that's a terrible attitude. I think that's wrong. We are running a business. Right. The only difference is nobody in our business is getting rich or making money. That's why it's called nonprofit. Right. And the product usually has to do with human beings, at least in our world. Yeah. Right. That's right. So we're not building a a functional device of some sort. It's, we're not dealing with a, a you know we're not making chocolates. We're not you know whatever it is. Right. We're trying to build restored human beings and that is the finished product for us but i do think that people look at charities like yours like mine and go you should have no overhead (laughs) and that's just wrong yeah they do you know there there are so many people who believe that um our our um, dream homes are donated right you know we're just building number uh 45 right now and 
they're not donated. They cost money to build. Right. I mean, do we get a deal on the land? Absolutely. Sure. Do we get a deal on the cost of building the house sure. um, from the builder? Absolutely. Do the furniture companies, you know, come to the table and the drapery companies? Absolutely. But it costs money in order for us to make that million dollar That's profit. Right. That's right. We have to invest a couple of million dollars first. That's right. Right. In order to make you gotta that make happen. Money to spend. Or, sorry, you got to spend money to make to money. make money. That's, That's right. right. You know, and uh, one of our good mutual friends, Lisa Alves. Yes. Uh, we'll give Built her last year's dream home. We'll give her a shout out, Alves Developments. She's one of the best human beings out there, without question. And again, she's so thrilled to work with you and work with your team on this. But she's not donating this entire project. Like that's not the way this works, you know. But again, I think that people people do look at it that way, you know, like. Um, Every every good successful business spends money to make money, mm-hmm. and that's on the cost of operations. That's on uh, marketing. It, it drives me up the wall that people think charity shouldn't be marketing. Well, how are we supposed to gain attention? That's right. At the end of the day, you know, we talked about it before we said this is marketing. This podcast is technically a marketing right. thing, right? Hopefully, people will go to our website. So if you're listening. You can.ca header over there. Like that's what we're trying to do here. So again, you inspired me 20 years ago to look at things differently and to set goals and to not be apologetic for it, which I think is is a very cool way to look at it. All that being said, let's let's go back here. A big a big reason why I wanted to bring you on is because of that respect and that admiration I have for you. But you are a pretty incredible story, Liz O'Neill. You have been executive directoring since 1979. I have. I have. I was hired by um, what was originally uh, the Big Sister Organization um, and, um, in 1979. And then in 1989, we merged it with the Big Brother Organization. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 2003, we merged... Big Brothers, Big Sisters, with Arbutus, which was a small program in the community, and Partners for Kids. And then in 2011, we merged um, that Big Brother, Big Sister agency uh, with Boys and Girls Club. And to this day, first merger in the world. Yeah, that's um, the, yeah. The, you mean between boys and girls clubs and, and big, big brothers, brothers big, big sisters. sisters? Absolutely. For, uh, first and only. First and only. There are, um, and I don't want to take this away from my colleagues in Red Deer, um, big brothers, big sisters, and boys and girls club been working together for oh, I think probably forty years. Sure. Um, and in Stetler and Miramichi, New Brunswick. More of a formal partnership. Though. That's right, but right. it's a partnership. This is one agency. Yeah, one agency. Um, and um, and so when I joined um, the original big sister agency there were one and a half staff Wow! and today we have 125 staff yeah it's incredible um and when i think back you know our budget i think that first year thirty six thousand five hundred dollars our budget today is 10.9 million dollars so i've had the privilege of being able to be part of something with a whole bunch of wonderful people pretty awesome um that um that got to be part of the whole journey yeah you know because i'll retire one of these days here you know like yeah that'll probably like when do you think that's gonna happen (laughs) like oh my goodness i haven't decided quite yet but that will come you're still having fun and um well and there's still so much to do i love that attitude there's still so much to do but I get to do it with fabulous people. You know this. Your board of directors and your staff are so important to you, right? Mm-hmm. We we get to be the captain, um, but we're not the ship. That's right. It happens because good people come together That's and collectively, right. they want to do something. That's they want right. to make a difference. 
I have staff members, you know, Carrie and Kim as an example. Carrie's been with us 27 years. Mm -hmm. Kim's with us 24 years. Sandra's mm -hmm. been with us 23 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, you don't get better no, than that. That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. 1979. Let's go back a little bit. Where Are you from this area? Like, were you born and raised in the Edmonton area? No. no. Um, my husband, Jerry, yeah. um, and I met in 1976 okay. at a youth conference in Quebec City. Nice. Very romantic. And, um, very romantic. Very romantic. And, um, and then um, we got married in 1979. Okay. But before we got married, I did not want to move um, west and Jerry didn't where, want to where move. Where were you from? Toronto. Toronto, okay. And Jerry didn't want to move um, 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 east. And so. And where um, was he from? Here? Born and oh, raised. Okay. okay. Yeah, from St. Paul, um, Alberta, yeah. and yeah. then Edmonton. And, um, and so um, we flipped a coin. <laughs> True story. Um, and I uh, didn't like the results of I the first flip. I was going to say, you were like, oh. So we said three out of five. <laughs> and I moved here, and Jerry and I wow. got married in 1979. I love that story. Mm -hmm. True story. Wow. So you met in 76, did the long distance for a bit, came out here, got married in 79. What what did you do for, like, what, did you go to university? Did you like, no. what? My no. very first job. So I went to a university um, in Ontario and then came here. Okay. Um, and so my first job out of, um, out of um, university was the Department of Secretary of State. So that was a branch of the federal government okay. um, that did youth programming. Okay. And so it's interesting to just kind of think back about where we are today with social policy around young people versus the world I got to grow up in. Mm. So I got to grow up at a time when there were programs like Opportunities for Youth, programs like the Company of Young Canadians, programs like Open House Canada. Um, Open House Canada was a way for Canadians to travel to somebody else's city and live in their home mm. while the other person lived in, uh, in your home. Um, the programs like Opportunities for Youth, where you were given grants. If you look at the history of the social services sector, you'll see its big growth was about 1974 to about 1985. That okay. was its big growth. Okay. That was all Opportunities for Youth funding from the federal government. Hmm. We were given money as young people to shape Canada. Interesting. Um, we were given money as young people because, of course, there were so many of us. We were the baby boners. Sure. Um, and so as a result of coming out of university, you know, jobs didn't look like jobs do today. Right. Um, and so there were grants available that you could go and do something. Mm. And in fact, the Big Sister Agency, um, which I didn't start, it was started by two women from Kitchener, Ontario. Um, and they had started the program there. And funny story, they had hitchhiked to Edmonton to go to Alaska and um, they didn't have enough money mm. after they got past Edmonton to continue their trip. And so they went to the Y, got one of these Opportunity for Youth grants, and set up the first Big Sister program. True story. Wow. And then the Y incubated that um, project. And then um, a couple of years later, it was big enough now to let it go out on its own. Sure. And then I got hired um, to, um, to be the executive director of that small organization so the, so the big sister organization where did it originally start here where did that originally start um the very first big brother big sister program in north america was out of new york okay um but the first big sister um program in canada was out of toronto okay yeah okay yeah. but these these ladies started big sisters here that they did they did 
it grows to a point where it can be a standalone. That's right. You're here now with Jerry <laughs> yeah, because you lost a coin flip. That's right. So I love that story. And I apply for the job. Yeah. Um, and I actually get to the job. Um, my first job here, which I accepted over the telephone, okay. um, was Westfield Diagnostic Center uh, for Juveniles, which today is called um, Yellowhead um, Center. Okay, Yellowhead um, Center. So, that's right. Wow. And so I um, applied for that job, was interviewed on the telephone. Um, in uh, 1978, accepted the job, yeah. moved here, yeah. went and worked there. Yeah. And then while I was there, applied for this job. Yeah. Um, and then I have, in some configuration, been with it forevermore. Been the executive director of, realistically, that organization, which is what it is today, mm-hmm. for 44 years. Mm-hmm. This is a true story. 2024 is going to be 45 years. It is going to be 45 years. And I have friends who retired in the last couple of years, and I'll never beat them. Carol Goddard in Halifax ran the Big Brother Big Sister Agency there for 51 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. Sorry to interrupt the Relentless Podcast, everybody, although this is a very good message. We want you to go and check out our Relentless merchandise store. That's right. We have launched a merchandise store for all of our relentless garb. We've got t-shirts, we've got hoodies, we've got crew necks, we've got hats, we've got toques, and we're gonna be coming out with some more merchandise in the very near future. So please, www.ucan.ca, that's Y-O-U-C-A-N.ca. When you get to the website, you look up to the top right corner, I think it says buy our merch, Hit that button, boom, it'll take you there. We really want you to wear our stuff. One, because every dollar raised goes directly into our programming for the young people we work with. And two, because it's a conversation starter for you. When you wear it, people are going to go, what's relentless? You can then brag about how you support an incredibly good organization helping young people. And then you can talk about how you are relentless in your life. That's what we want. We don't want us to just be relentless. We want you to be relentless too. Thanks for your support, and we appreciate you helping us out. Now, back to the show. Let me ask you this. Obviously, as a young person, and then going into university and coming out of university, Mm -hmm. you had, obviously, a, a, a passion or a calling to work with young people. Where did that come from? Mm-hmm. So I'm the eldest girl of ten children. Wow! So I have five brothers. We and are four learning sisters. a lot about you mm-hmm. today. That's incredible. And uh, so I suspect that had something to do with how it is I ended yeah. up with, where I ended up with. Yeah. Um, and um, and so um, you know you ended up in a in a very similar situation, and and I know that your journey was different, but just think about what it is that we get to do every day. Well, that's beautiful. How could we not be here? That's beautiful. Right? Yeah. I mean, you started this podcast with, you know, thanking me for the things that, you know, I've done in life. Every day people thank me for the things that I did in life. How many jobs do you get to go to that every day somebody says thank you? It's mm, a nice feeling. I just left Epcor from an event that they were hosting for um, our children today. And I went there to thank all of those people, and mm-hmm. all of those people came to thank me. Right. 
um, and, and our staff that were with me there. And it's not hard, actually, to work hard. And I know mm -hmm. I work hard. I know mm -hmm. you work hard. Mm -hmm. And I know that my colleagues in the charitable sector work really hard. Mm -hmm. None of us have 35-hour-a-week jobs. Nope. We're all putting in our 60, 70 hours yep. a week. There's no question about that. Yeah. There's so much to be done. But it's not just there's so much to be done. We get our heart and our soul to be working with us. Yeah. And just that doesn't happen for most people. Yeah. You're, you're so right. And, you know, when I was growing up, um, my dad, honestly, my, both mom and dad, uh, some of the hardest working people I've ever met in my life. And I've always said if I had half my dad's work ethic or half my mom's work yeah. ethic, I'd be, I'd be way more successful. At whatever I whatever I do, but to be honest with you, my dad it's not like he was ever happy doing his job. Yeah, you know he he wasn't like oh like he. And I always looked at it and I thought, well, I don't know if I want to be like that. That's right. You know, I, I want to do something that I just. Where I mean, you just talked all about it. It like so I know for a fact that there's days where like I, most days we're like I get paid for this. Yeah, that's pretty awesome, and I feel the same way. I've always felt that way. And so we are very blessed to have the jobs that we have. But that being said, we also, like you said, we work very hard at them because we care so much. Yeah. You know, we're so passionate about it. And But I don't mind that. I don't mind that on a Tuesday night at 11, I'm working on a budget. <laughs> yes. You know, yeah. I mean? like yeah. I, I just don't mind that yeah. at all. Um, people get emails from me at weird times because I'm just working on stuff that, but I, you're getting it. caught up. Getting exactly. caught up, right? Yeah, yeah. Getting caught up. Or, or or I had an idea and I'm like, yeah. oh my gosh, I got to, let's do, you know. Yeah. And But that's the beauty of the work. I think it's amazing, you know. There's another part I think that is um, that is so wonderful. And that is that you and I get to mobilize good citizens yeah. to be in people's lives. Yeah. And so we get to work with the leases, as you mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah. Um, and um, and I just know how privileged I am to have the board of directors that I have. Mm. Um, people that have been around for a long time who mm -hmm. care deeply. Mm -hmm. um, and I know how privileged that um, we are to have the staff that we have. Because you said earlier, you know, you're not going to get wealthy here. No. Um, you know, like, can you own a home? Yes. Mm -hmm. Can you drive a car? Yes. Can sure. you take care of your family? Yes. Um, and um, and we're getting better yeah, um, I, than I we have been um, in the last um, you know twenty years ago. But the fact of the matter is, you don't come to these jobs without that heart and soul. Mm -hmm. You um, are because it's not a job. I said this the other day, and and I um, and I'd kind of forgotten that for lots of us, this is a bit of a calling, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? You're, you're right. You're bang on. It's something that um, gives us such purpose. Purpose. Yeah. Um, you can't. It's not the kind of thing that you get in the typical job, and mm -hmm. I'm not suggesting that you know for the millions of people who work in you know good typical types of jobs, mm -hmm. and they do very very well in them. Um, but this is different. There's no question, and and, and sometimes I react when we think about um, being a business because business principles have to be in place for everything that mm -hmm. we do. But the return to the shareholder looks very different. Mm -hmm. This is a return to community. Well, they're the shareholder. That's they're the shareholder. They're the shareholder. Absolutely. And to me, I've just always looked at it like such a privilege and an honor 
Yeah. But I look at it like it's like an onion. There's different levels to that. That's right. The first privilege and honor are are the young people and the children that we get to. I mean, we don't really. I know that you don't work front line with these kids anymore. The same way I don't work front line with these, but we get to meet a lot of them and we get to see a lot of them. We get to hear about a lot of them. And that to me is the first privilege and honor. Yeah. Is that without question. Somehow we're, we're impacting lives, but that they're allowing us to be part mm-hmm. of their journeys. Yeah. Like that to me is the biggest thing is that they're allowing this to happen. Without question, without question. And, and, and the moms and dads trust us. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean, we you don't know. deal with a lot of moms and dads. Yeah. We don't. But the ones that we do, they're, they're, and if they're okay, they're pretty thankful. Yeah. They're yeah. pretty yeah. thankful, yeah. right? And we're in a similar situation in that, you know, 90% of our kids, you know, are from a single parent family. Sure. And lots of kids in the child welfare system. Yeah. But those caregivers trust us. They do. And they work beside us. You know, it's not like they kind of give off their child. It's right. like, can you join with me right. to do the very best that we can do here? Right. Um, and they don't live in traditional. Not everybody lives in the traditional way that we think of families. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of people who care. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of people who care. Um, and I think that that drives me every day of my life. Yeah. Because I know if you can help our citizens understand what help looks like, they're there to provide help. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's about us as not-for-profit charities helping people understand what help looks like sure. so that they can put their hand up and say, I'd like to be part of that. Sure. And, and to me, we all, you know, just met with a potential donor yesterday. My question is, what do you need? <laughs> because I know what we need as an agency. Yeah. Uh, and let's listen. I'm an honest guy. I say this everywhere. You know what we need? We need some more money. Yeah. Because we have these things that we need to do with that money, which are then going to serve our young people. But if you're going to donate to us, like, what do you need? What do you want to get out of this? That's right. What do you want? It's reciprocal. It's got to be yeah. a partnership. Yeah. And I don't care if it's a if it's a ten dollar a month donor or a one million. I've never had a million dollar donor, but a million dollar donor. It's all to me the same is, is this is an opportunity for you as a a supporter, a donor, whether it be money, time, expertise, whatever that is to make sure that this partnership is give and take. That's really the way that I look at it. And, but that, that's business to me. Yes. No, I don't disagree. Because the principles are are very much the same. It's transactional because, but I never just want to be a taker. That's right. I never just want to be a taker as a, this is a harsh way to put it, and it, it sounds harsh, but I, do, I never want to be a charity case where it's just... You don't want to beg for it. We're not begging for it. Yeah. If We want you to want to be That's on right. this journey with That's us, right. and in particular, our young people. Yeah. Right? The other layer of that is is what we've just been talking about, or the other layers is is the privilege of the staff that... that give mm-hmm. their heart and soul yeah. and then and then board members that do that and then community people who give and and I mean it's just it really is incredible what is different and then I will ask what is the same between doing this work in 1979 and all throughout the 80s and we'll go to the 90s too to today what's the, what's the uh, biggest difference i think an easy one is technology right but i mean as far as like the realm of the work, like the the the, the mm-hmm. essence of it. What's different? It's a lot harder to recruit volunteers. Mm. 
it's a lot harder to recruit volunteers. Mm. Um, I think people's lives are very, very busy. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a result, and we're seeing it straight across the world, um, and, um, and, and people will say, well, that's because of COVID. Actually, the numbers started coming down around 2017, 2018, yeah, 2019. Everyone wants to blame COVID, COVID just for brought it. them yeah. more quickly. Yeah. Um, but the essence of what we do um, hasn't changed very much. I mean, it is about caring about people in ways that will bring about goodness for them, mm-hmm. change for them, mm-hmm. the things they need to be successful. Um, and the essence of, of, of what those things are in terms of being able to finish school, um, being able to have people that are champions and in your corner and care mm-hmm. about you, um, being able to have food, being able to have opportunity, um, not having barriers thrown in your way every time you turn around. Those things haven't changed. Yeah. But I do think one of the things that has changed is we have a lot of language now for what we talk about. Mm. As if you think about, there's a lot of diagnostic terms now. Sure, sure. Um, we didn't have those terms in the 70s. Um, in the 70s, we talked about people being poor or people being, you know, without a network um, or people um, not having um, a close family. Sure. And today we talk about this child has this and they've been diagnosed with that and they need, um, you know, to have this. And, and so there is a, there are far more medical terms being used. Mm-hmm. But if you strip it all away. Same thing. Same thing. Same thing. Same I, thing. I find that interesting that you say that because I... I, I find the volunteerism thing interesting, and I think you're being really gentle on people um, by saying they're busy. I find it interesting because there's more opportunity to market what we do now, right? Social media, there's more awareness. But I actually think the problem with it is that there's so much out there that if you can't convince somebody in three seconds to watch this, they ain't watching it, right? You know, like, if, you know what I mean, right? I do know what you mean. I'm going to give you a very direct example um, about what I see around marketing. Um, we do a dream home sure. and, and we've been doing this for a long time. Um, and, um, and <laughs> when COVID, um, uh, 2020, um, occurred, our dream home lottery made a, a profit of $2.4 million. Wow. They normally make a million dollars. Wow. And that was because it wasn't a noisy marketing field. Yeah. People had pulled back their advertising. Yeah. Because we didn't know, can the stores be open? Do the sure. stores have to be closed? Right, sure. All of that was gone. Yeah. And so every message we put out was heard. So interesting. And last year, um, when COVID was over, and I'm not suggesting COVID's over, but yeah. in the sense yeah. of, right? Yeah. Um, that uh, same dream home made $800,000. Because so the marketplace was noisy. was noisy. There were lots of people trying to get their message across whether it was this business or that business or that charity or, you know, that organization. And, um, and so a very different um, story to tell. It's so interesting. I love the way you say it, noisy, because that's what it is. Yes. It's noisy. And it's like, what am I hearing this? Am I not hearing this? That's an interesting mm-hmm. way to look at it. Back to changes. I've said, I've essentially been doing this youth work thing since about 92, 93. Okay. Okay. So about 30 years. Okay. And um, for me, I'll tell you something that I think hasn't changed. Vulnerable young people yeah. are vulnerable young people. Absolutely. That's it. Absolutely. And people go, what do you mean? I go, that's it. Yeah. 
it's just that simple. Yeah. Is that so many of those reasons of why they're vulnerable or at risk, they haven't changed. No. It's no. it's because of where they come from, mostly. It's because of the life situations you're in. The, the now the word that we use because you're right. So much as what's changed is the the terminology, the the labels, the the diagnosing things is the trauma. The trauma. We never used to word use nope. that word. Trauma informed practice. That's right, and that was never used. And but the traumas are are for the most part the same. That's to me is what hasn't changed. The other thing that hasn't changed is and this is let's talk really about what you guys do over at your incredible organization what works in my opinion is relationship 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 so those two things which which you know here are the issues but then here's something that can help in my opinion have not changed there's different ways of communication blah 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 but the essence of those haven't changed. Let's talk about boys and girls clubs, big brothers, big sisters. What? Let's pump the tires. Okay. I, of course, I want our tires that you can to get pumped, but I want you guys' tires. I want people to go and donate to you guys and volunteer and support because it is incredible. What do you do? And I think we need about seven hours to talk about <laughs> everything you do, but in a nutshell, what are you, what are you guys doing over there? Well, I, I am lucky that you gave me a little advance notice that you would ask that question. Yeah. So I'll try to frame it <laughs> in simple terms. In many ways, we do two things. Um, one, we recruit, screen, and train good citizens to be in kids' lives. Yeah. So those are the mentors, yeah. the big brother, big sister volunteers. And we do that in a variety of ways. EPCOR today is a really good example of three of EPCOR's seven work sites um, at lunchtime once a week for 44 weeks of the year, except a bus of children. And that bus of children then are mentored over the lunch hour by employees of that company. So cool. And there are other companies, Stantec, like there's, there's lots of companies that are doing this with us. Not enough. Um, but um, certainly if anybody hears this podcast, we'd like to talk to them about yeah, absolutely. that. But, but the whole idea of mobilizing good people to be in kids' lives, um, being the mentors, being their champion, being yeah. the person in the, in the corner that without judgment, I'm there for you. Yeah. And all the research in the world, all the research in the world says, and it's you know a bit ironic that we needed all that research in the world to tell us this, but we do better when we have people in our lives. Mm-hmm. We just simply, as human beings, That's do right. better. That's right. Um, and um, I have a friend, you know, Mark Kabaj, and he's mm-hmm. a um, research and evaluator here in Edmonton, and he says to me, Liz, I don't think you need to do any more research on mentoring. I, I think the last 100 years of research tells the story. Sure. People do better when there are people in their lives. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part of what we do. Yeah. This little girl today was asked at the EPCOR Christmas event, um, if you could uh, say something to your, your big sister right now, what would you say? And she is eight years old, and she thought for a moment, and, and she said, I would tell her I loved her. Mm-hmm. Do you get any better than that? Mm. It's incredible. Right? The kindness of strangers. A stranger came into this child's life. Now, stranger with, you know, we screened and Absolutely. we train and we yeah. support. Not, not stranger danger. That's right. That's A right. good stranger. A good stranger. A good stranger. Comes into this child's life, and this child now knows what love looks like. Mm. 
She can touch it. She can feel it. She can say it. Mm. And so that's the first big part of our work. And then the second big part of our work is being able to provide safe places for kids after school. Yeah. And so um, places where kids in vulnerable neighborhoods can come, um, they can do homework. Because for lots of our kids, um, lots of big families and, you know, houses are noisy and, and um, moms at work and, mm-hmm. and, um, and so many of our families have two, three jobs, mm-hmm. particularly our immigrant and mm-hmm. refugee families. Um, and uh, so being able to have kids come after school to a safe place, get a snack uh, for some of the kids and some of the sites, there's dinner, um, being able to do homework. But another big part of that is allowing 10 year olds to be 10 years old. Um, and allowing them to be able to, you know, have a gym to, to play in, um, allowing them to be able to, you know, learn how to cook in the kitchen, but not cook because tonight you must feed the family, but cook because you can learn because mm. eventually you want, need to make that contribution Absolutely. to family, right? Absolutely. And so those are really kind of the big two things that we do. I think that um, underneath all of that, we have our youth employment strategy um, yeah. for young people to help young people find their first job after work or their first job um, um, after, uh, sorry, after school mm-hmm. or their first summer job. Um, we've got lots of one-off programs that we do in partnership with others. Yeah. Um, the um, All In For Youth Initiative, which is along the 118th Avenue corridor in Edmonton. Um, and so it's a large initiative. I think maybe we're in about year 10. Um, and um, even though it has its roots back to 1998. And this work is the family center um, who are providing um, uh, roots and wings workers, so social workers to families um, to be able to make sure families have what they need in order to be successful. Um, they're providing um, success coaches to kids. Um, to make sure that kids that are struggling in school are not really quite sure about the path, um, that they've got that support um, to be successful in school. Um, E4C, which uh-huh. is providing the um, food, um, nutrition, um, and real food. Yeah. You know, snacks for kids, real lunch for kids. Yeah. Um, and, um, and can you imagine how hard that is today mm. with the cost of food being what it's it is? It's just going up and up and up. Um, and then we provide the mentoring uh, programs and the youth employment strategy as well as the um, after-school programming in those five schools along that corridor. Yeah. And that happens because... You know, the city has stepped up and United Way has stepped up and, you know, corporate Edmonton has stepped up and some of the family foundations, because none of this happens without all those people making it happen, right? But we know that the kids in programs like that are doing so much better. There's tons of research and evaluation from the university to show that, yes, kids' lives are better off because of. So in many ways, Kyle, when you think about it, in many ways, you know, you and I and, and so many other good charities in the community are really kind of creating families that are like, again, the stranger family, sure, right? Sure. Because it, they, lots of our families don't have networks. They're they not connected to. They don't. They're not showing up for those kids either. That's right. You know, and I'm not trying to slam on these people because quite, and you know this, these are, these are family dynamics and cycles that have been going on for generations. These moms and dads have been harmed. Yeah, they're, they're um, trauma. And they're, exactly, right. and, and those before them. That's right. You know, I remember I used to work at a, at a place that would have a, like a family day. And uh, it was a pretty intensive 
residential program right. that I worked at and these families would show up and it would be parents or a parent. Uh, sometimes if both parents came and, and that could get a little tricky too if they weren't together and then grandparents and they would bring aunts and I was truly be right. a lot of it was a free meal. Yeah. And just interacting with these folks and, and this is going to be sound very judgmental and I'm sorry but you could just see it. You could hear it in their stories. You could hear it in the, what they talked about. You could... The, their life experiences, the fact that they were still in the system. <laughs> and then these, these kids that were 12 to 15, 16 years old, too, you know. The Relentless Podcast is brought to you by You Can Youth Services, which I am very proud to be a part of. You Can Youth Services is an organization that helps young people move out of harm's way and onto a path of economic independence. If you want to learn more about the incredible work that we do with some very vulnerable young people, please go to www.youcan.ca. That's www.youcan.ca. We're talking about a lot of amazing things in our work. Yeah. We're talking about the lovely stuff and the, the great There's stuff. There's the hard stuff that only makes the lovely stuff possible. Right. Right. And, and that, you know, when people come to our events or whenever they, they you know, we'd like to do little lunch and learns and whenever they get to come, well, of course, we're, we're selling the idea of success. Right. Because it's so important. I, I always use the word restoration. Yes. You know, because I believe that our young people are coming in and we're helping them be restored. Mm -hmm. That's the way that I see it. They're working the hardest. They're working the hardest. To become restored. But there are some hard cases and there's some hard days and there's some hard things that we have to see and experience in this work. We don't need to go into that and trauma slime ourselves or or anything like that. But the, 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 the... Listen, I love to brag about our, you know, depending on the year, 78% success rate or 83% mm-hmm. success rate. But I always go, what about those 17% right. or those 22%? Where one are they? Not, one not succeeding is too many. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough, yeah. right? I'd like to tell you a little story about uh, one of my best friends. The guy who interviewed me, not Dave Farthing, a guy named Neil Richardson, who emailed me. He was working for UCAN at the time out in Toronto. Came out here, did the interview with me. Uh, I was very smart. I looked up on the website, saw that the guy liked motorcycles, liked hockey. I'm a huge <laughs> hockey guy. I used to own a motorbike. Started talking about yep. it. We became buddies. Boom, I got the job. Anyone uh, doing an interview, make sure you research, if you can, <laughs> who's interviewing you. Neil, uh, six months later, is staying at my house because you can't didn't have a lot of money for hotels back then. <laughs> When we used to travel, he's staying at my house and we were supposed to be kind of hanging out after our work day. And he was on the phone for two and a half hours with this guy named Mike. And I'm like, all right. And he goes, oh, no, it's my brother, Mike. I'm like, okay. And Mike's going through some stuff. I'm like, oh, man, that's, he's a good brother. Yeah. You know, helping Mike out. Kind of wrecked my night. I thought yeah. we were going to hang out, maybe have a couple beers or whatever. Well, turns out that Mike is his little brother from... Big brother's big, brother, big, big sister, sister program in Ottawa. Wow. Mike is 27 years old yeah. or whatever he was. Yeah. Maybe 23, 24. Yeah. So many of these relationships don't end when you're 18. They're lifetime. That was in 2000, 2012. My buddy gets married. I go out. I emceed the wedding. Was one of the MCs at his wedding. Who's in his wedding party? Mike. Mm-hmm. Who's at the wedding? Mike's mom and sister. Mm-hmm. 
to this day, that has become one of his best friends as adults. Yeah. And it is one of the most beautiful stories. Uh, Mike Anderson from Trickstar owns uh, Trickstar Productions. Uh, was just on the podcast in the summer. Talks about in Edmonton being a big brother and he's still so involved in that kid's life. Yeah. The, when I hear those stories, it is proof that this is... The reason we can say life-changing is because some of them are lifelong. Mm -hmm. What an incredible opportunity. Yeah. For the young person. And but, for the volunteer. But mostly yeah. for the volunteer. Yeah. And it, it, it is always the way that volunteers will say, no, no, I get more out of this right. than my little does. Right. I heard it today again at the Epcor uh, lunch event. Um, and... Um, you know, we said it at the beginning of this podcast. It's working with purpose. Yeah. This is volunteering with purpose. That's right. And, and of course, you only sign up for a year. You didn't sign up for a lifetime. Mm. But for some people, mm. right, it becomes, becomes a lifetime. become part of the family. Literally. Yes. Literally. Yeah. He was yeah. in his wedding party. Yes. Right? Yeah. I mean, incredible. Yeah. Incredible. And if I could call Neil right now and ask him what's going on. Go, oh, yeah, I talked to Mike yesterday. Like, yeah. It is his brother now. Yeah, absolutely. And absolutely. it's a beautiful thing. Um, is it still, I'm assuming it's still like this, because for years and years and years, um, listen, you're always looking for volunteers, but usually it's you guys really lack on the male volunteers. Yeah, right? that hasn't changed. Right. That unfortunately hasn't changed. I mean, one of the reasons we went into piloting some years ago, the corporate mentoring model, was because we thought maybe – there will be men in the workplace mm -hmm. at some of the, you know, good corporations in the community that maybe would become um, volunteers. And I saw it today. You know, half the participants were male. Mm -hmm. But no, traditionally, 70% um, of the volunteers that come in are female and 30% um, um, would be male. Um, and, and, you know, there's a small number of transgender and, um, and LGBT, but it's, it's a small number. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, and, and we're trying to increase those numbers, but we're trying to increase all the numbers sure. because the fact of the matter is there are 800 kids waiting right now. I was going to, that yeah, was my yeah. next question. <laughs> so there's, kids. so how many, how many kids have met like bigs right now? Like mentors right now? About 1800. 1800 and 800 on a list. That's right. Wow. Yeah. Wow. People, we need to, we need to become... Big brothers and big sisters. Well, absolutely. Without question, we need people to, uh, to do that. And, you know, I, I think that if people heard the stories, like of your friend Neil, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, I think that uh, people would be able to kind of touch and feel that. That's right. Um, and so we started this show with how important marketing is. And, um, and so we know that we have to invest dollars in marketing because we need people to hear the story. That's right. So that people then can put their hand up and say, I'd like to help in that way. What does a commitment look like for people? Um, about an hour a week um, for, the, for the first year. An I know, hour a week. I know. It, it sounds like... An episode of Breaking Bad. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like I, it's I an do. episode yeah. of a show. Yeah. Yeah, it... Um, Which I'm... Assuming most people, maybe they do a little more after because they're like, oh, I'm going to take this kid here. I'm going to take do. this kid here. There's, yeah. no, there's no question about it. But that's not the commitment we're asking people to no. make. 
Um, and, and there's a variety of ways that it can be done. You can do this at a school site. Mm. Um, you can do this in your corporation. You mm -hmm. can do this in the community. You can do this at one of our clubs mm -hmm. um, and come there after, after work and, and teach kids science and, mm. you know, engage kids in, in Lego and engage sure, you know, kids sure. in terms of um, um, reading or, um, or just being a kid. So there's lots of ways to do it. And I think most people think that it's the only way to do it is that it's in community um and uh, so you have to come up with the activity and you've right. got to pick up the child and you got to take the child home and that, it's not the only way right there are many There's ways of being do it. that's right absolutely and if somebody comes to us with an idea um and says you know i'd like to work this way we'll work really hard sure to try to make that possible sure. as long as they're safe and our kids are safe yeah. we will work really hard to yeah, make that absolutely. possible absolutely do you, um, well, that was what I was going to ask you was what, what are the ages of the, the kids? Cause mm -hmm. I think a lot of people think, oh, these are like six to 10 year olds. Is that some like, are no, absolutely. Yeah. But what is the age range? Yeah. So the age range is, um, has changed because of the growing number of kids in care that we're working with. It's six to 24. I love it. Um, and, um, we're doing more and more work with kids transitioning out of care. Yeah. Um, so 16 to 24 year olds, yeah. um, but lots of, you know, six to 12 year olds as well. But the agency is far more involved now. Um, thanks, quite frankly, to Children's Services, um, who made those dollars possible mm -hmm. um, and, um, and just gave us expansion dollars because we have so many kids that need to transition out of care and that As don't have know, their this families. Is, this is our this world. This is what you do. This is our world. Yeah. And there is such a need here. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for me, I've always said in my life, you know, I mean, I, obviously I had my kids and stuff, but but I always said, like, you put me in a room with 10 grade oneers, <laughs> I would rather be in a room with 117-year-old gang members because I can somehow, That's I would right. have those gang members organized. We're doing this, we're doing that. That's this right. we're, the ten, Those little kids just would freak me out, right? Because <laughs> everyone's different. Yeah. So here's the thing. There's opportunity for people. You know, when you think of 16 to 24 year olds, and again, this is our wheelhouse. This yeah. is what we do. Um, you know how many things you can do with a 16 to 24 year old that is not little kid? I mean, yeah. You, yeah, like, yeah. you like shooting pool, go That's shoot right. pool. You like going to the outdoor rink or you like this sports activity. Right. You like, there is You want to work on a car motor. There's yes. a million things <laughs> yeah. that yeah. can be done with these young people yeah. that. Are, and these young people, if they're on your list, it's because they're going, yeah, I would like to spend some time with somebody. Yeah. Like it's, it's, you know, it's such an opportunity yeah. to, to And I think impact. it's really important what you just said. If they're on our list, it's because the young person put their hand up That's right. and said, yes, I do want somebody in my life. That's right. You know, I think a lot of people, even with our programming, a lot of, especially with our outreach program, uh, with the Wi-Fi list, with the police, a lot of people think, oh, those kids are mandated. No, those young no. people... They're referred to us. We do no mandated work. Okay. I, I I don't want mandated work. Right, right. Um, because if it's mandated, most young people, they don't want to be there. Yeah. Because they were told to be there. Right. You know, I don't like yeah. to be told where I'm going. No, that's right. That's so right. we don't do any mandated work. These young people that we're talking about on this list put their hand up and said, please. Yeah. I would love somebody in my life. It's so important to think yeah. about it that way and to look at it. 
I'm really encouraging anyone who's listening. And I'm going to say it, even myself. To become a big brother or a big sister? Absolutely. Become a volunteer in become the organization? Become a volunteer in the organization. Absolutely. You know? You know, there was a study done in Ontario, and it was done by the um, Children's Advocate. And um, so they took a look at um, a question on, to young people um, in terms of what would have made a difference in your time in care. And thousands of young people said, I wish I'd had a mentor in my mm, life. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody who was my champion, somebody that cared for me. Yeah. Young people are asking for this. Sure. How do we step up and, and be those people who are part of their lives? Mm-hmm. Now let's let's get let's get. I mean, we've been very real so far, but let's let's get real on this topic. Uh, I think some people might go, "Well, what if the kid doesn't like me? How about this? What if I don't like the kid?" Right. I don't think that Liz O'Neill is going. You will be committed for one year, no, whether no, you like no. them or not. <laughs> no, and that's why you have a caseworker who right. makes sure um, that everybody's getting what they need. Sure. And not every situation turns out um, the way we hoped. Absolutely. But there are people there to, to make sure that you're not in a situation where you're not feeling comfortable. Yeah. Um, just as we don't want kids in that situation, we don't want our adults in that not situation. Not everyone's going to click. That's right. Right? Not no. everyone's going to gel. That's right. And, and I don't think there's... But there's a whole process to take care of that. Absolutely. Yeah. But I do think that people go, well, what if it didn't work? I'd feel super bad for the yeah. kid. Don't worry. They got other people. We're going right. to get them lined up. That's like, right. That's the way that I look. Give it a try. Yeah. Give it a try. Yeah. And you know what? This is, a, this is a terrible analogy. I don't know why I'm going to use this. As I'm saying, this is a terrible analogy. I'm still going to say it. It took me a bunch of counselors, a bunch of therapists till I like my therapist. <laughs> and now I never want to leave my therapist. Right. It's, you know, it's, it, this will be a, potentially a similar thing. I'm really hopeful that, that you get a few people out of listening to this because of the importance of this, this work. Do you, you said something earlier that is just, I just loved it so much because it's the way that I feel. I turned 50 this year. And the only thing, uh, like, man, I'm not the healthiest guy. I've got bad mobility. I got type 2 diabetes. I smoke, blah, blah, blah. Okay. I don't want to get, I don't think you're giving me trouble, but some people give me trouble. What happened to me when I turned 50 was I thought, huh, I'm on the back nine here of you, Ken. Because I don't know if you're making me go, no, maybe I'm not. No, you're not. You're not. And But my take on this, and this is why I love what you said earlier, is I have things to do. I'm not done. I'm not. There's, there's things that we need to do mm -hmm. and get done. Mm -hmm. And I love that you've been doing this for 44 years. And you go, there's still so much more to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What an incredible attitude. But you know, that comes because of the mentors I had in my life, right? Um, you know Louise Hayes. Yeah. Do you get better than Louise Hayes? Mm. Can you get more motivated than a Louise Hayes mm. who says to you, no, you're not done. There's still things to be done. Mm. You know Sandra Whitus, mm. right? I don't know. I know of Sandra. Okay. Yeah. Well, you know, Sandra is still, you know, doing great work yeah. uh, for Edmonton Public School Boards. Yeah. Um, you know, Betty Hughes, who passed away some years ago, but, you know, was just an incredible mentor to us when we were young. Mm. Um, and, you know, now... She would be my age. I would be her age. Right. Um, and um, when she came into my life. Yeah. Um, and, um, but, you know, there, there's work to be done. Yeah. And as long as we're, you know, able to do that, sure. why wouldn't we continue to make a contribution? It doesn't have to be through a paid job. 
I mean, you know, we, we can, you know, decide that, you know, we're going to do it as a volunteer. Sure. But I know I'm not quite done yet. Yeah. A couple of things I, I want to get done and yeah. then I'll move on. And But I'll always be active. I, I know that. Like, m- my community is, is my community. It's, it's who I am. I, uh, I'm inspired by that. And there's some things we want to get done. I'll tell you. I've, I've talked to you a tiny bit about it. We need a building. Mm-hmm. We've. I feel like we're late. I don't want to say late to the game. I've been doing this for 21 years almost, and I feel like we should have had a building 10 years ago. And there, you know, there are days that I, like anybody, you know, you have those those down days where it's like, oh, I haven't done enough. Man, I failed here. I failed there. Um, I actually believe that some of those lessons we learn are good to always keep in the back of Absolutely. our minds. Absolutely. Never know? forget where you came from. Right. I, I actually have, a, we started a social enterprise years ago, and you know what? It was one of the best youth employment programs we ever did. You had to dissolve the company because we couldn't make enough money. Right. That letter of dissolvement yeah. sits right where I see it every yeah. day because I take that personally. Yeah, absolutely. I actually take responsibility for it, and it does motivate me. But some of the things we want to get done is, listen, we work with about 200 young people a year. I think we can be working with 500. Yeah. I really believe that. But we need a bigger space. We need more room. We need uh, uh, a shop to teach young because we're getting really into this work simulated stuff, right? right? Which I just love. I love that we're not just giving them fish. We're teaching them how to fish. Absolutely. You know? So- it's exciting stuff for us in the future. And Louise Hayes, actually, uh, her name came up uh, very recently uh, about being on my capital campaign cabinet. So You won't get a better connected or better caring woman. Uh, I know. And I, and I know Louise a little bit. Yeah. I know Anne. Yeah. And I know Louise a little bit. I just She's such an incredible human. So I will actually be calling her in the very near Good future stuff. to go for coffee. Um Liz, is there, is there anything else that you'd like to leave us with? You've given us a lot of wisdom here today. I love your story. I love the history. Um, I had no idea that you're the oldest of 10 kids. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I love, I will tell you the fact that you lost that coin flip is one of the best things that ever happened to Edmonton. Well, it's also one of the best things that ever happened to me. <laughs> of course. Of course. But I yes. just love that story. Yeah. Um, I appreciate you, and I thank you. I thank you so much for inviting me to 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 do this. It's uh, it's an honor, and you know I mean that. There's so many of us out um, there that are doing our very very best, and there are so many great organizations, and um, and I know that you'll continue to bring good people in and and um, give them an opportunity to share their story and and their message. So mm-hmm. thanks for this. No, absolutely. Now listen, we're not done yet. We end every podcast with the relentless quiz. Ah. This will determine, Liz O'Neill, if you are truly relentless. Because apparently we haven't determined it yet, which is a lie. Um, Are you ready? Do you like tests? Are you good with quizzes? I'm going to find out. (laughs) Here we go. Liz O'Neill. Fruits or vegetables? Vegetables. City or countryside? Countryside. Dirty bathroom or dirty kitchen? Dirty bathroom. Okay. Salty or sweet? Salty. Interesting. A lot of people, if they go vegetables, 
go to the sweet. Ah. Like if they go fruits, they go to the salty. You are you're not a you don't like the sweets. No. Good for you. Good for you. Uh, morning or night? Ah, uh, night. Night. You the night owl? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What are you doing late at night? Just watching TikTok and stuff. No, you know those emails that you're sending out <laughs> yeah, and those messages right. that you're, uh, I've actually you're going, re- oh God, I've got to. I've that's received, what I'm doing. I've received emails from you at 1230 at <laughs> night where it's like, I can make this lunch on this date. I'm like, there's Liz, 1230 at Do night. Do you know what's <laughs> funny is think about the number of people that we email and we pray to God that they don't see our email <laughs> and they email us right back. I, that is true. <laughs> I've probably emailed you back at 1230 going, sounds good, Liz. <laughs> <laughs> that is so funny. Uh, favorite comedy movie? Favorite comedy movie? I know you like to laugh. Ah, boy. I- I'm going to say Christmas in Connecticut. I don't even know if I know that There movie. you go. There you go. Who's in that movie? Uh, Barbara Stanwyck. Um, you know... Some regular okay. kinds of folks okay. that uh, I will have to watch it. Christmas in Connecticut. I will have to watch it. All right. Uh, big party or small gathering? Small gathering. Phone in the bathroom. I feel actually awkward asking this question. Phone in the bathroom or no phone in the bathroom? No phone in the bathroom. <laughs> and I believe you. I no. don't. My face just went red because I feel like I ask everybody that question, but for some reason I'm like, I resp- I'm oh like, I respect God. you so yeah, much, and I'm asking you this question. I was at, <laughs> these I, guys are laughing right now because they're like, I was at something the other day, and and I was leaving, and this person stood up, and I said, Oh, are you leaving as well? And he said, No, I just I had this need to stand up, my respect for you. <laughs> and I said, Oh my God, go. sit back down. <laughs> well, I want you to know I use a phone in the bathroom. I think most people do. Uh, favorite love song of all time oh favorite love song i want you to think of jerry right now yeah so mm-hmm. i'm going to say um you're the one yes that's a shania twain it is that's a nice song mm-hmm. i like that i like that good stuff two more questions left cake or pie cake cake last question to liz o'neill the legend <laughs> the legend. The legend, eh? Describe your relentless podcast experience in four words. This was great fun. It was. And it was an honor. I I hope you don't mind me saying this because I do say this to people and I don't say it f- like lightly, but I love you. I love what you do. Thanks, Kyle. I love what you've taught me and and we haven't it's not like we're super close you know we don't hang out all the time but you have always been generous with your time with me whenever we've gone out and let's be very honest it's me picking your brain on ideas Mm -hmm. every time we go out and i appreciate you so much um obviously for what you've done to our community to for our community but what you've also done for me and um yeah, I, I've, I've taken inspiration from you. Thank you. I have. Thank I you. have. So thank you. Folks, uh, easy to find Liz O'Neill online. Yeah. If absolutely. <laughs> Google uh, her name. Um, and then also uh, very easy to find uh, Boys and Girls and BGCBigs.ca. There you go. There you go. Um, incredible work. Please. 
please support this incredible organization. Please volunteer. Yeah. They have a list of 800 kids who need help, who need a mentor, who need relationship. And I think that there's some people out there that listen to this that can do it. Thanks. To find us, folks, you go to www.ucan.ca. That's Y-O-U-C-A-N.ca. And you can go there to find our relentless merchandise. And you can find out more about our programs. And you can donate to us as well. And we just appreciate you listening. Until next time, folks, stay relentless. This series is proudly produced by the team at Road 55. Road 55 creates content that connects. For more information, check our website, www.road55.ca.